0: hey everybody welcome to the great movie podcast i am brian i am matt and today we are doing the color purple yes we Uh, are this is uh this movie was released february 7th 1986 it's uh directed by steven spielberg written by uh it's based on a novel by alice walker screenplay by meno maez it's actually got quite a few stars in it: uh, Danny Glover, Whoopi Goldberg, uh, Oprah Winfrey. There's even a. It's a very early Lawrence Fishburne. This might have been. I, I didn't check, but it might have been one of his very first projects.
1: I got. Uh, to, you know, I remember he was in Apocalypse Now, and he was oh. very young in that. And I think this was a couple years later. He was in Apocalypse Now. Yes, he's on the boat with them. Oh wow! Yeah, like he's a kid. Like even his character is like a teenager because he lies about his age.
0: Okay. Uh, I'm gonna pull it
1: up real quick and I'll take a look.
0: I know that like he uh, he kind of got his like major breakthrough Pee-wee, but yes, I I feel like the this I'm pretty sure this was before
1: Pee-wee. So I'm just I'm I'm going through his IMDb. He was actually on he's on a bunch of TV shows. Okay, no, so yeah, his fifth role he ever did in anything was in Apocalypse Now. That was in 1979. Uh, Uh, He went and did a bunch of shows, including he was on Trapper John, and then he was on M.A.S.H. Okay. uh, Death Wish 2, and then we get up to Color Purple in 1985. And then, yeah, he did like a lot of supporting stuff in Nightmare on Elm Street 3. And then I want to say, see, I've never seen King in New York. Have you?
0: Uh, That's uh, Christopher Walken, isn't it? I believe so. I, I think
1: I he, did see it. Yeah. He's in that. I don't know what kind of role he has. Uh, right before that, though, he was in the Pee Wee's Playhouse Christmas special. And then it shows that he was on the show for a long time. And then he was in Boys in the Hood. And I want to say Boys in the Hood was kind of like a big, a, a big role for him, like to kind of show his actual acting abilities. Yeah. I would agree. So now that we're, let's just talk about Lawrence
0: Fishburne. <laughs> uh, sounds great.
1: <laughs> you, you know, I want I wanted to say I didn't realize what when this movie came out. Nowadays, like February is kind of the the time when movies are put out that they just don't expect to do good. Mm-hmm. Like like they just it's it's the dumping ground basically. At least it used to be, because that's when they released Deadpool. And it became such a huge hit that they actually started releasing bigger movies in that time. But I wonder if back then, if February was still considered that, which kind of, if it was, it sort of tells you what they thought about the movie.
0: Yeah, but doesn't it also, I don't know when Black History Month became a thing, but it's also Black History Month. So it might have been corresponding with that. Maybe.
1: It could have been. I'm not
0: sure. I'm actually going to look it up real fast. Uh, it started way back in 1976, so that could have been it.
1: <laughs> so yeah, uh, it's got Danny Glover in it, like a young Danny Glover, mm-hmm. which, I like any movie I've ever seen him in, he was always an old man. You know what I mean? Because it's like even in Lethal Weapon, which was not that much longer after this movie was made.
0: I no, been only, before. I think it was only like a year or two later. Wow. And the thing, I think the thing about it is they they made Danny Glover look really young in the beginning, but a time period of like thirty years passes in this movie, yeah. so I feel like his his actual look was somewhere in the middle yeah. of young well, and old.
1: You mean they didn't just use all that cool CGI to make him look younger? <laughs> <laughs> think about how this movie was made today; like there would definitely be shit like that happening in it
0: oh probably i did find it funny uh without spoiling anything just yet i did find it funny how uh whoopi goldberg's character Seeley, she changed from being a teenager it was a different actress and then she kind of turned into whoopi goldberg as like a young adult Mm -hmm. but her sister nettie was the same actress for the entire movie from from like 14 to 44 or whatever
1: (laughs) yeah which I, I guess this, this might be a, a spoiler in the fact that it tells you she doesn't die, but I was looking at the IMDb credits and I was just looking at who some of the actors were. And uh, I saw that they had, you know, young Seely and old Seely, but then I didn't see that for Nettie. I just uh-huh. saw the one role and I was like, oh, so you no, assume I wonder, that she died? <laughs> yep. I, I assume that, uh, like, Danny Glover killed her or their yeah. dad killed her or something like that. Yeah. But no, they just had the same actress play her from a teenager <laughs> to a whatever an older woman
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's pretty great
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. so i think the really interesting thing about this movie and i don't know like even even back then it was kind of controversial it's that steven spielberg directed this movie Mm -hmm. which it is almost an, an entirely black cast uh and at first i was kind of like this is weird that he's doing this movie. Mm -hmm. And so I looked it up, uh, I was reading about it, and apparently he didn't want to do it. He didn't feel it was appropriate for him to do it, Mm -hmm. which immediately made me not as opposed to it. You know what I mean? I guess it was because Quincy Jones, who is one of the producers, and if you don't know who Quincy Jones is, he's just, he's like a a composer and a producer. He's Mm -hmm. been active, like he was born in like the 1930s and has won just dozens of grammys and emmys and like all these like like he's a very well respected very talented musician for the most part very powerful in that you know mm. uh whatever and he specifically wanted steven spielberg and asked him to do it and it was funny like i read a quote that was like because this movie came after et and he was like well you didn't have to be an alien to make et did you Like, apparently, that's what Quincy Jones said to Steven Spielberg. I just thought that was kind of funny. Especially because nowadays, like, if this movie happened, can you imagine the rage that people would have if it was this... What? Go ahead.
0: uh, I was going to say, like, if J.J. Abrams directed the new... The remake of this.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) It would just be like, oh, what the... And I get it. it. It is one of those things where it should be... I felt like it probably should have been... a a black person directing the movie Mm -hmm. i don't i don't i can't i'm not familiar enough to tell you of any like actual famous black directors from that time period uh what sydney yeah i I, was he even i mean he was alive but i don't know when he uh stopped i'm gonna look it up
0: I i feel like he was he was active in the the mid 80s yeah he was he was directing
1: movies he was an actor for quite a while director oh god he directed ghost dad the yeah, the yeah he was directing the last movie he did was in 1990 he mm-hmm. did stir, stir crazy in 1980 a movie called hanky panky in 82 fast forward in 85 which what, when did this movie come out
0: 85 uh, it, yeah it was filmed in 85 it says that it was released february of 86.
1: Yeah, so I mean, he wouldn't have been able to do it, but I wonder if they actually looked at other.
0: Uh, I didn't. Re- I didn't realize that he directed *Hanky Panky*. That's actually a pretty awesome movie. Oh, I've uh, never, I've it's, never even it's, heard of it. It's another Gene Wilder movie. Mm. Him and him and Gilda Radner. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure Gilda's in that one. Old Gilda, what are you pals? <laughs> I, I, didn't, I, I didn't say old Gilda. <laughs>
1: I know, it's just the way you said it. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, old oh, Gilda's in that one. Yeah, she is in it.
0: Okay, yeah, I thought so. Interesting,
1: yeah, he did Stir Crazy. That's the one that has Richard Pryor in it, too, right? Yeah.
0: yeah wow. That, that's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Hey, Ghost Dad's pretty okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Bill Cosby dies in the first ten minutes. I going to get any better? <laughs> uh, okay, so... I do feel, though, that it did have an effect with Steven Spielberg directing the movie. Uh, up until now, he had directed... These are all things i got to think of. It's like, like you know, you want to be ready, but you never think of what you're actually going to need. Like, yeah. it's never... It's like, oh, fuck, I should have looked well, this
0: I mean, up. We can, we can pretty much guess. It's E.T., Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Uh Raiders had already come out at that point. Yeah. Uh, so. Jesus Christ. He has just released uh, so
1: much shit. <laughs> I don't mean shit as in bad movies, but... Oh, wow. He had done a lot before The Color Purple. He did Temple of Doom, uh, the Twilight Zone movie, E.T. Like you said, like all these. I didn't realize Temple of Doom came out, too. Close Encounters, Jaws.
0: Oh, Jaws, yeah.
1: So he was a very well-established director at this point. hmm And I guess uh, another art, uh, quote I had read was from him about how this was his first serious movie, and if it wasn't for this, he wouldn't go on to do Empire of the Sun and Schindler's List, yeah. which I've seen Empire of the Sun. I saw it a long time ago. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd like to revisit it. I remember really liking it. I kind of want—after watching The Color Purple, I want to go and, like, revisit it and see if I have any of the issues— with that that I have with this movie.
2: Well,
0: uh, I, I actually just watched Empire of the Sun for the second time. Uh, not that long ago. Maybe a few months back. And okay. I, I think it's an excellent movie. Uh, and
1: I remember thinking that. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'll watch it again sometime soon. And, you know, I was going to say, oh, we can do it for the podcast. But I kind of want to stay away. I want to avoid repeating directors for as long as we can yeah we we never really talked about that but that was like an idea i always had so hopefully
0: you're cool with that yeah i mean there's a lot of movies that we plan on doing that have duplicate you know repeat directors but we can we can swap them so that Mm. we're we're spreading them out pretty good
1: absolutely oh and my other scene this is one of those reasons too why that's kind of a little issue i've never seen schindler's list oh wow yeah, I like I remember years ago, like trying to watch it and just kind of not getting into it. Like I just had one of those, you know how to sometimes you can watch a movie feel like just can't get into it at all and then watch it years later. And it's just like, oh, my God, this is so good.
0: Yeah, especially uh, especially really serious movies. You got to be in the yes. right mood for them.
1: Exactly. It's not like just, like, hey, it's Saturday. We're not really doing anything. What do you want to do? Eh, throw on Schindler's List. <laughs> I'll I'll, I'll get the popcorn (laughs) uh, Completely unrelated to that uh, Like watching those movies I have really been wanting to watch The Passion of the Christ again Mm -hmm. And It's like there's never an appropriate moment (laughs) There's never a time When it's like You know what I'm going to throw that on and watch it Like I feel when I first watched that movie The only time I ever watched that movie Was in the movie theater Like (laughs) with my grandma you know what I mean? Because it was one of those things she wanted us all to go and watch it. It was like a kind of a, a respectful thing towards her. Mm-hmm. Now I, it just feels dirty sitting in my recliner
0: watching it on my, <laughs> you know, on my TV. I I went and seen Passion of the Christ in the movie theater uh, with my girlfriend at the time and one of her friends and her friend's boyfriend or whatever. So you we know, were liter we were literally like what a bunch of that movie came out probably when we were about like 20, 21 ish, somewhere in there. Was I'm it guessing. really? I think so. Uh, two thousand
1: like so much younger, but I don't...
0: maybe two thousand six, so maybe twenty two. Um, but 2004. I remember two thousand four. Yeah. So yeah, wow. I, so I was, was I was only nineteen.
1: Yeah, like uh, I just I don't feel like I was. I feel like I was still a kid when I saw that movie, which I guess, yeah. I mean, we kind of were, but I can't believe I was out of high school when that movie came out.
0: <laughs> well, I remember we were sitting, we went in, we sat down, we were waiting for the movie to start, and the, the movie theater was filled with old people. Like, we were mm-hmm. the youngest group there, and uh, I was wearing a hat, and this old lady, like, got up and tapped me on the shoulder, and she's like, take that hat off, have some respect. And I was just like, what the hell? I can't wear my hat for a movie. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) And you should just be like, lady, it's going to be a fucking bloodbath.
0: (laughs) I I totally left my hat on. (laughs) Good. Good.
1: Fuck that lady. And you know what? She's almost certainly dead by now. (laughs) Uh, I guarantee she is. (laughs) So who wins? Oh, boy. All right, maybe we should talk about The Color Purple. I'm uh, having a good time. I guess. <laughs> but we should. I was honestly looking forward to talking about this movie. Yeah. Because while I I I didn't love it and I think it had a lot of issues, uh, I don't think it was a horrible movie. I do think it could have been a lot better, though. And I'm shocked at how, I don't know, I you know, I don't think I've ever seen any, I, I've never seen a movie with Oprah in it. Like, I couldn't tell you anything about her filmography. I don't know what other movies she has been in. I Like, I've heard people talk about her being a good actor. I know she was nominated for an Oscar for this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Whoopi Goldberg was nominated, too. I've never seen Whoopi Goldberg. Well, I've seen her in Ghost, which I guess I would say is a serious movie. But, like, anything else I've seen her in were, were comedies and not very good ones that I could think of off the top of my head. Uh, I'm not f- super familiar with them as actresses or actors. Yeah. But I am surprised that they haven't didn't do bigger roles. Like, I'm surprised Spielberg didn't use them again in different movies.
0: Yeah. Well, I feel like, uh, I don't know if Oprah was already doing TV or not, but I feel like she this was. movie. Oh, was she? Yeah, okay.
1: because I, another thing I read is that she had a really hard time not looking directly at the camera. Because uh-huh. she was so used to it from her TV show.
0: Oh, okay. Well, I I guess I'm wrong. I was going to say I assume that this movie really, like, launched her into being so popular among, like, middle-aged women. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, maybe it still helped. I don't know. But I think I could be wrong, but I, I feel like Oprah used this movie to launch her TV career and then kind of stopped being in movies She might have...
1: Well, hey, you know what we're going to do since we got it right here? I'm
0: going to look it up. Yeah, we are. (laughs) So I I will say that this is the first time that I've ever watched this movie. Um, Me too. I had no idea what it was about. I thought that I had an idea, but I was wrong. Oh, Um, really? I I thought that it was... I honestly thought that it was about slavery. Um, Oh, okay. I I had no idea when it took place or anything. Well, in a way, Brian... It is. In a way. Um, <laughs> although, I don't know. I guess we'll get to that.
1: Yeah, not, of course my internet is, like, fucking up and not letting me pull up uh, pull anything up. For Oprah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's trying to stop me. There we go. <laughs> wow, so Color Purple was her first movie. And then it looks like she was in a movie called Native Son... Looks like everything else was TV movies or TV series. She was in the movie Beloved, which I remember hearing about, I think, was also a uh, like a very like uh, black oriented about a slave. that's visited by the spirit of a mysterious young woman, Hmm. which I should say was directed by Jonathan Demme, who is a white man. He's he's the guy who directed uh, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. And yeah, she she she's not done very many roles at all. I remember when Suicide Squad was coming out, there were a lot of rumors that she was going to play the the, the one like the government lady. I, her her um, name Amanda.
0: is Amanda
1: Amanda Waller. Yeah. yeah, she she was going to play her. She didn't, which is a shame because I actually think she would have been really cool in that role. Even though that movie was trash, I thought that would have been neat. It looks like she did a Wrinkle in Time in 2018. Yeah, and, and also. A movie short, Crow the Legend, dude. I wonder if that's like about the crow. That'd be. F- it's not. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally imagining her in a, a, a short about the crow, but it looks like it was a the carefree forest animals imagined spring will last forever. Like dumb shit. All right. Sorry. We have we have finished our
0: exploration of Oprah's. <laughs> Acting career <laughs> Yeah I gotta I gotta point out The Oprah Winfrey show Didn't start until September 8th 1986 So that was after This movie came out
1: Really? Cause I I wonder She must have done Other stuff then Because I uh I was I mean That was
0: It, sh- oh. it shows that she was on Like Nightline And stuff like that Like news sto- News stuff <laughs> Maybe
1: that's what it was She Like that was the lead up But she had done so much TV That it was hard to break that wow, Also shit. The na- Saturday Night Live post in 1986. For what? <laughs> oh, I guess The Color Purple.
0: Yeah. Also, the name of her production company is Harpo Studios, and it didn't, oh, wow. it didn't become a thing until 1990, so she absolutely named it after the movie character.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: I would assume, but anyway.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it looks like she was on... <clears throat> God, Oprah is such an interesting individual, mm-hmm. and I hate that I don't know more about her. She really is. My, this might be a little too, too whatever, but uh, my ex-wife, her dad, who's like a white cop in Cleveland, mm-hmm. like loves Oprah. Really? Like he he thinks that she's like the most impressive person. Like he's just so impressed with how she became the person that she is. Like I, and that just always struck me as <laughs> so fucking crazy. Okay, let's talk about this movie. Let's Fine. let's get into the story. Is that okay? I guess so. <laughs> All right. So I didn't write down anything about the plot. I'm just going to go through the Wikipedia one. We'll go through it together. We will do this as a group. How does that sound?
0: Sounds fantastic.
1: All right, so the movie starts in 1909. <laughs> we have Seely, who eventually becomes Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg. She is an African-American girl. They live in Georgia. And so there are very strange things about this movie. I feel like, and it's because it's Spielberg. And this is like I said, this is a reason why I want to go back and see his other more serious movies and see how he handles these things. Because I don't think he was used to making movies about such serious subjects. Because immediately at the beginning, you find out that Celie was raped by her father... And had two different children from him, mm-hmm. and both of them were taken away, and she never knew what happened to them. Now, if you remember the movie that we did last week, Chinatown, the big twist in that movie is that the like the main heroine in the movie was raped by her father and had a child and was trying to protect that child. So the climax of one movie is just a casual like like just a part of the story at the in the first ten minutes of our next movie. Mm-hmm. So two weeks in a row, that's that's what we start off with. <laughs> very dark, very depressing. Uh, the children are taken away. Her her dad. She has a sister named Nettie, who she's very close with. Eventually, as they get older, they encounter Albert Johnson, who everybody calls Mister. He lives, like, on a farm not too far away. Like, I'm pretty sure they're inside of each other. He's an older man, and they're children. He he wants Nettie. And he, like, comes to the house, and he wants to basically marry Nettie. And he comes to ask the father.
0: And Nettie's, like, 12 or 13. Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and father just, he says no. Just flat out. He he says that uh, there's no way he could ever have Nettie. But if he really wants a wife, he could have Seely, and he tells him flat out that she's I don't remember the words that he used but she's basically like spoiled like she's had two kids Mm uh I'm looking at my notes and I said this man is a price I don't remember what that why I said that oh another thing was when the baby is born like they're in this little like manger I was really impressed with the effects that they use With the newborn baby Because like you can see the steam Coming off of the baby Did you notice that? Yes I did Yeah And I uh, I made a note of it That's how impressed I was
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> So Danny Glover eventually Like he kind of looks at Celie The dad brings her out And he's looking at her And he's just like ugh Because everybody calls her ugly uh, mm-hmm. Throughout the movie Multiple people like say She's an ugly girl They just treat her like shit She's not very smart uh, I think that's kind of established when they're younger. She's a little more simple, especially compared to her younger sister, Nettie, mm-hmm. who uh, – she just seems a lot more street smart, yeah. <laughs> I, I guess we, we could put it. So, Mr. agrees he marries Celie, and – Celie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they go – and, and you know he marries her, and Mister already has a couple of kids. His his uh, wife had died, I believe.
0: Yeah, I be, Yeah, I'm pretty sure she died. Uh, yeah, he probably he in al- childbirth.
1: Yeah, so he already has three children, and they show their you know relationship, and basically him just using her as a, a housemaid, and then having sex with her like just really awkward like, on top of her, like, next to a picture of his his dead wife. Uh, it's, a, it's a horrible existence, basically, for her. But, but it also shows her just, like, really trying to take care of the family. She's, like, cleaning up the house because it's a disaster since he's lost his wife. He hasn't done shit. You know, the, the dishes are piled up. There's all kinds of stuff. And it just shows her, like, cleaning all of it up, making it a nice home. But, of course, he's still just horrible to her. Uh, there's one scene where... She's brushing the daughter's hair and the daughter's like screaming and he's like, keep her quiet. And she says, well, it's hurting her. And he gets up and just slaps her right in the face. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it's just very, yeah, it, it's just pretty horrible. And it sucks because like Danny Glover, I, I, I made a note, I've never seen him play a villain before. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, he's not at all like that. Like he's a creep when you first see him because he's, like, coming around. But even then you start to think, like, well, it's the early 1900s. I'm not going to judge the creepiness on, you know, stuff like that. But then once you get into the house and you see him, the way he treats her, it's just kind of like, oh, well, shit. You know, it was kind of a bummer to see that's how it went because that was kind of just not what I expected right up from the get-go.
0: Yeah. I feel like, especially down south farms, like, it was it was very common for the farmers to just have as many kids as possible the wives ended yeah. up the wives ended up dying at some point because of so many having so many kids and yeah. then they would just find another very young girl to start the process all over again and yeah. the men probably most men probably did treat their women like absolute garbage because um, sure. they they were they were a they were, a, they were a, their thing they weren't that you know yeah i don't know it was property. It's, it sucks. <laughs>
1: it does, and we and we do see later that it's also the kind of class of women because Mister does not treat all women that way. Yeah, it's kind of just Seely, uh, and, and and you know they never touch on how he actually treated his his uh, deceased wife. Yeah, maybe maybe he wasn't like that to her. Maybe he wouldn't have been that way to Nettie either. Maybe it's because he felt like he was. I'm not making excuses for him at all. Like he, he's his character is a piece of shit, uh, but I, I just wonder if he was like that with all of them or just her. Yeah,
0: well, uh, I don't know because you you see in the movie later on a couple times that his his own dad is kind of like a piece of shit too, mm-hmm. and 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 talks to women the way he's doing it. So I feel yes. like I feel like he's probably just like that to everybody. Yeah. Well, to to all of his women, you know. Yeah. The ones that aren't special.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So while they're living there, Nettie suddenly shows up one day and tells Celie that their dad was getting very uh, aggressive and basically trying to do the same things to her that he did to Seely, And she ran away, which it's not to say that she's smarter than Celie, but it does show the difference in her mentality when it comes to that stuff, whereas Celie was a lot more, I, I guess, willing to take it. I, th- mm-hmm. I think Nettie is probably, she's a far more progressive character. Yeah. Uh, especially seeing, like, what happens to her later on in the movie. Um, and, 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 you know, I guess that's not fair because Nettie had somewhere else to go, whereas Celie probably didn't. Yeah. Um, Which, you know, we should have, I know this was written off a story, like, based off a book. But was the book based off of anything? Do you know? I don't know. Okay, I didn't. I thought maybe it was you know someone's whatever life story or something. <clears throat> I don't. So, think,
0: I don't think that it said true story anywhere. I feel okay. like they probably would have added yeah. that in. Yeah, real enough.
1: Yeah. I, yeah. I'm sure. And that's the thing. I'm sure it's experiences that were realistic enough, you know, like it might not be based off of one particular story, mm-hmm. but it is, it's not far from the truth of what happened in a lot of places. Right. So Nettie comes and she lives with them. Mr. Kind of allows it because as we established, he is a creep and he kind of wants to, he sees it as an opportunity to get closer to Nettie and while she's there, Nettie teaches Celie how to read and teaches her all these different, you know, skills that she can use because she wants her to be, you know, capable of doing those things. And and I don't think they establish like, Celie doesn't have, like, any disabilities, right?
0: Well, I, I kind of assume that she might have been a little bit slow just because she's not as smart as her younger sister. But yeah, then it, again, it could have been the dad, you know, not allowing her to go to school and stuff, too. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I didn't understand how Nettie was capable of learning all of these things, whereas Celie wasn't. Yeah, And I don't know if it's because of, like, the relationships with the dad and he was, like, preventing her from doing it or if she had, you know, learning disabilities and wasn't able to. But she picks everything up very quickly yeah. from Nettie, so I, I guess it's probably not a learning disability. It's just she's just not educated whatsoever, yeah. and it's really not her fault. Um, so they kind of, like, they have their, you know, she's there for a little while, they're having a great time living together, learning, uh, Mr. is still a piece of shit, but he hides it. Like, when other people are around, he doesn't treat Celie the way he usually does. So that's another reason why Ceely like, likes having other people around, because he's nicer to her. And mm-hmm. that nicer, just not as physically abusive. Um... Uh, and then one day, Nettie's actually going to school, and Mr. starts following her, and he's, like, trying... <laughs> it was a very awkward scene. Like, that whole one, he's riding the horse next to her, mm-hmm. and he's, like, smiling and taking his hat off and doing stuff, and she's very clearly terrified. I don't know. It just... It came off very strange to me, and I understand, like, the point behind it, but I just feel like they could have done it a little bit differently... Instead of having him come off like this, I don't know, this goof, this goofball,
0: you know what I mean? Yeah, I think he, I guess he was, he was trying to be charming or something to get her yeah. to be less uh, apprehensive about it. Yeah. <laughs> but it didn't I work. Just, yeah, it
1: seemed like a very strange way to go about it. Uh, so he tries to force himself on Nettie, like just out. When she's on her way to school, she kicks him in the balls and makes a run for it. Runs back to the house, which I thought was very strange. Like, why would you go back to his house? Mm-hmm. And I know it's, you know, for his sister. But uh, he shows back up, flips out, throws Nettie out of the house. Which also surprised me. Because, for so, like, I expected him to go back and just beat the shit out of everybody. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Uh, but instead, he just packs her shit up and sends her on her way. And then Nettie and Celie have this, like, very dramatic, like, goodbye that's stretched out. Uh, th- There's a lot of cheesy moments in this movie, mm-hmm. I felt. I-, I don't know what you think about it. I don't think that the music helped in a lot of scenes, but it-, it just seemed like... Steven Spielberg is one of my favorite directors. Like, I love a very, very large chunk of his his films. He makes movies that, like, I feel are specifically tailored to the things that I like. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes he does things, and this movie just felt, like, way too forced Yeah. with, you know, how I'm supposed to be feeling. Like, oh, I'm, I really should be feeling sad that these characters are being separated this way. Uh, I don't know, though. I don't know what you think about that.
0: Well, I, I agree. I figured I'd save that for the end of this. <laughs>
1: okay, that's fine. We, we, we can wait till we get there. Uh, so she's gone, and then the movie actually jumps ahead uh, seven years, and Celie, in seven years has turned from this girl into Whoopi Goldberg, <laughs> uh, and she's she's a mother, she's a wife, like she she does what she can, and that's the thing, like she's not a, she's not stupid. Like I said, she's not stupid. She's just uneducated. She's an uh, she's an amazing like she keeps a good house, takes care of her family, takes care of her husband. Um, because that's all that she can do. But it just shows that what she is given, what she's capable of, she can do the best with whatever she's given. You know, mm-hmm. Mister. His oldest son is named Harpo, and you, you see Harpo as a child, kind mm-hmm. of just like grinning and enjoying the torture that Mister. gives to Seeley. Mm-hmm. And so now he, <laughs> now now he's older. Uh, He has a girlfriend and we are introduced to his girlfriend, Sophia, who is played by Oprah Winfrey. And so when we were watching this movie, it's one of those things like now when you think about Oprah, you have this idea in your head of what she looks like. And -hmm. you kind of forget that she was a big woman for a while. Mm -hmm. So we're sitting there watching the movie and she walks on and I'm looking and I'm just like, oh my God, that's Oprah. And Michelle's looking, she's just like, no, it's not. It's like, yes, it is. And so, and so then it like, shows her face. Michelle's like, oh, it is her. <laughs> and like, her character is pregnant, and so I thought maybe that's part of it. But it's like she was just a bigger person back then. And that there's nothing, I'm not making any commentary about that other than I just didn't, I forgot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's not what I was expecting when she popped on. So Sophia is very strong-willed. She is the, like, where that stereotype came of, I am a strong black woman, and I don't need no man. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, that is Sophia perfectly. And that is also in the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... I, I, and- thought it
0: was, I thought it was very funny, because when you see Harpo as a child, you're just thinking, like, uh, this kid's gonna grow up to be just like his dad, you know? He's such a little yep. piece of shit. But then it shows him with Sophia as a young adult and she she's the she wears the pants like oh, she absolutely. tells him how the relationship's going to be and he's just like yes ma'am. <laughs> yes.
1: It's a very very different uh and you know we don't focus a lot on those characters. It is mostly it's about uh Célie and what happens to her, but I do find the world around her also very interesting. And it kind of sucks because Celia's character, for the most part, is a beaten housewife. Like she, she doesn't do much until later on in the movie. So we're kind of following her, but it's like the world around her is what's interesting in this movie. Mm-hmm. So, and I guess that all adds up because it's you know obviously these things are influencing her to become the person that she is later. But for the most part, Celia is kind of like the vessel through which we see the world you know what i mean mhm so okay so seely era sophia is really strong-willed and mr basically tells harpo like his harpo's kind of telling him his woes and mr tells him like you just got to you you got to be the man you got to you got to put her in her place you got to you know basically be like what mr is to his women mm-hmm. and unfortunately harpo takes his advice And he hits Sophia, and Sophia hits him right back. Oh, it's like a whole scene where so this happens, but apparently Harpo tells Sophia that it was actually Sealy that said that he needs to hit her. So Sophia confronts Mm Sealy and like so you know asks him why. She did that and, like, you know, basically says this is bullshit. And she she had to fight off, you know, abuse from everybody, in her whole family. She basically threatens to kill Harpo if he ever hits her again. And tells Celie that she should do the same to Mr. And things don't change. Uh, Harpo, you know, continues to be abusive towards her. She's abusive right back. She eventually just packs all of her shit, takes the kids, and they all leave together. And Harpo stays back. You know, they're still married, but he, she takes off.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So wh- while all this is happening <clears throat> throughout the movie, Mister is in communication with this character called Suge Avery. She is a a woman that he is very clearly infatuated with. He is very open and obvious about it. He doesn't hide it from Celia whatsoever. And throughout the movie, she, you know, he thinks she's coming. She's not coming. Off and on. Well, eventually he actually gets her to come, and they—I don't think they explain like him and Harpo show up at the house, and she's in the car, like basically strung out.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And well, she, she was a she was a traveling singer, and every time she would come through town, he would make it a point to go see her. So I'm assuming that, and he always like there's a scene where he's like trying to look his best to go see Suge and i'm assuming from that whole scene that uh you know she must he he's waiting for his opportunity to like bring her home so yeah. she must have had a falling out with like an ex-boyfriend or something and he and she was drunk and probably high on something so he yeah. was able to convince her, her to come
1: back with him her station finally reached his his station yeah. you know she could kind of whatever <laughs> so mr brings shugan First thing she does when she sees Celie and she's all fucked up is just she's like, oh, you are ugly and just starts laughing and, you know, being very cruel. Uh, they get her up to a room and then like like the next day, Mr. He's trying to get on Shug's good side, but she just like she's treating him like shit because uh, she is all fucked up. Um, hmm. And he's like, oh, all right, I'll go, I'll go make you breakfast. I'll make you whatever you want. He runs downstairs and he's trying to make her breakfast. And the whole scene—it was a very funny scene of uh, Sealy watching him struggle to b- make even the basic food. Because
0: he's—he's clearly never cooked anything in his life.
1: Yes, <laughs> and which—which which is also kind of—I think it's very weird that he didn't go down and was just like make make breakfast. You know what I mean? Like he didn't make her make the food. He decided to make it himself. Just a very strange whatever. So Celia is watching him and she's like kind of just, oh, and you know, the scene that you mentioned earlier when she when he's trying to get ready to look nice to go see her, is a very cute scene with her just like pulling all the stuff that he needs. Where's my black socks? And she's just kind of holding them and he takes them. Where's my yellow tie? It's just, which coat fits, Uh, you know, like all this other stuff. Like she knows him so perfectly. Mm -hmm. knows everything about him. And she's able to just give him exactly what she knows, what he wants. She's able to give it to him. It it just kind of shows like she is perfect, but he's so obsessed with like this other woman. And so in this scene, when he finally has sugar in the house, you know, she's just kind of watching him and she sort of helps him a little bit shows him. They show how like she rigged up like all the pots and the pans in the kitchen. So she just like, lowers them up and down from the ceiling which is very clever like it shows she's she's a very clever person it's just that she can only get to the point where she's allowed to be so she kind of does that and then eventually she just sits down and watches him and there's a very funny moment when he's like can't get the fire started and he walks out and then he comes back in wearing like uh, carrying a thing of kerosene and they (laughs) show her sitting there watching and her eyes go real wide And he walks over to the the stove, lifts the can up, cuts back. The chair's empty, but it's, like, rocking back and forth. It was a very, like, Looney Tunes thing. It was out of place, but it was very funny. Uh, So he just completely fucks the whole meal up, takes it upstairs. She throws it out into the hallway and, you know, just treats him like shit. So Celie goes down. She decides to make breakfast. Makes, like, an amazing meal. Takes it up. Slides it into the room and uh suge eats it like and she's very happy like celie's very proud like of mm-hmm. herself for being able to give her something even even though the woman is very cruel to her already she was just happy to like appease her mm-hmm. so then they kind of like go about like with their life and suge kind of comes out of it she goes back to normal her and celie start to talk more and they, they kind of become attached to each other Mm-hmm. Uh, they form a relationship and they, they show Suge like they go to Harpo's like Harpo has a bar that he made and Suge goes there to perform and you know, she does this and that. And then like some people come in like these women and they just like, they're very shitty to Celie <laughs> who's like sitting there. And then Suge sings a song called like Celie's blues. And it's just, a, it, it's a song for Celie about her, and it's just, like, a very nice thing to do. And then everybody's, like, cheering. And then Steely does her... Like, she looks at those women who were shitty to her before and just, like, sticks her tongue out at them. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> and then it's in this scene when... It, so, when Oprah left earlier, uh, Sophia left, I was kind of just like, was that it? Like, mm. be, because you know how there's a lot of roles because I knew she was nominated for that role. But it, you know how sometimes, like... The Academy will nominate an actor, like Hannibal Lecter, you know, uh, Anthony Hopkins had a, in the grand scheme of things, he had a very small role in Sides of the Lambs, but he was still nominated for an Academy Award. Part of me thought like, well, was that it? So then this is where Sophia comes back. And she's with her new man, even though she's still legally married to Harpo. Well, I'm reading this recap and they don't even talk
0: about Sophia coming back at all. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> how weird That basically harpo and sophia go for a little dance on the dance floor yeah. but uh harpo's also got like a new girlfriend
1: yes that's and right i she's, couldn't remember she's,
0: she's like what are you doing with her and he's like i, I gotta dance with my wife you know
1: yeah So and, like a little fight starts because <laughs> she calls her like a fat pig or something like that and this is when we see Sophia, like she, she is independent and everything. She has anger issues, as she should, but she will resort to violence, uh, which she does in this scene. And that is important because it does play a pretty big role later on in the movie. Uh, so yeah, a big a huge brawl breaks out at Harpo's and Shug takes uh, Celie out of there. And then I think it's shortly after that they show the scene where Suge tells Celie that, like, she's got to go. She's got to move on. She has other places that she needs to be. And they have a moment, like, in their room where, they, you know, they're talking about Mr. And I think that's when Celie tells her, like, he beats me when you're not around. Mm-hmm. And, and she's, like, very upset that Suge is leaving. And that's when we kind of get the, like, a very intimate moment between the two of them where they kind of just, like, they start kissing, you know, like... Different, you know, different parts of their face and everything, and then they you know, like start kissing on the lips, and it's a very, uh, you know, showing they they really really care about each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I had read, like another comment from Steven Spielberg, is that he really regretted not going farther with their relationship, and he was afraid of alienating the audience if he had went into this whole you know, their lesbian relationship for the most part. And so he kind of shied away from getting too involved in that because this is really the only scene where it shows them doing anything physical. And it probably, like in the whole movie, it probably is the only time that they like would do that. But yeah, he's talked about how he wishes he could redo that and actually focus more on that relationship.
0: I did think it was kind of, uh, it was kind of cool. It was not cool, but it was it was nice to see <laughs> that that Albert Mister he brings Suge into his home because he's madly in love with her, and he can never he can never get her, and she actually ends up falling more like her and Celie end up having like this little relationship. I, I it's mostly just you know love for one another, but then they have this little scene, and it's like all this time he couldn't get her, and Ceely got her. Yeah,
1: you know I didn't realize I was reading this recap that whole period when after suge is sick up until the time she's like up and running that's supposed to be like a six-year period
0: yeah well it makes sense because you know harpo and sophia they kind of it's around the same time where they get together but they end up having a few kids together before sophia leaves so it's kind of implied there that a, a bit of time has gone by
1: uh so after suge tells her she's leaving Celie decides she's going to go with her and she starts packing up her bags and stuff. And then, of course, Mr. catches her and he doesn't beat her right away because he's, you know, going to see Suge off. Uh, I feel like, you know, we forgot to mention, too, that after Nettie leaves, uh, Mr. never lets anybody get the mail but him because he's like obsessed with getting letters from Shug. Yeah. But another reason is that it prevents Celie from getting any letters because, you know she's expecting her sister to write her because that's what her sister tells her she's going to do uh yeah it's just something
0: only only death will stop me from from it or whatever writing to her yeah and then he tells her if i ever catch you in that mailbox i'll kill you (laughs) yes uh
1: so that was just something we kind of forgot to mention early on in the movie yeah so then we get to a scene of Sophia and she's like in town It it was earlier. I think it was probably during the scene at Harpo's is when they introduced Lawrence Fishburne's character. It's, I found it very funny that he in the credits is like, he's listed pretty high up, but he has a very small role in this
2: movie.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Like he just kind of is in the backer for the most part. He has no real, I don't think he says anything throughout the whole movie. Well, he, he does. Cause he, he actually speaks in this scene. So, Sophia is like in town, and she's got her two kids with her. And there's this white woman there, and she's actually played by. I, I don't remember her name, but she is in the Adams family. She's the one who's married to Tolly and then eventually marries Cousin It.
0: Mm hmm. was uh, Dana Ivy.
1: Yes. Um, and so she. Is you know just talking about the kids and how much how cute they are and this and that and Sophia is just like yeah, yeah okay and her husband is just like oh yeah she always had a she's always got a soft heart for the coloreds you know <laughs> so she the the woman asks Sophia if she wants to come be her maid and this is when you hear Lawrence Fishburne like he looks at her and he's like don't do it Miss Sophia. And you see her hand like fucking curl up and, uh, oh, oh, no, because she says no. She says, hell no. And mm-hmm. the woman's like, what? And she's like, she said, I said, hell no. And the husband comes over and he's like, what you say to my wife? She says it again. He slaps her in the face, slaps Sophia in the face. And that's when Lawrence Fishburne is just like, he sees what's happening. He's just like, oh, no, don't do it. And she pulls her fist back and punches this dude right in the fucking mouth. And it's kind of like a, oh, cool. But then you suddenly remember this is not, you know, Harpo's bar. This is not surrounded by other people of the same color. This is in the early 1900s. And there she is a black woman in a white society. Mm-hmm. And exactly what you think ha- would happen happens. She's surrounded by people. They are calling her every word. Under the book, a cop shows up, and she's, she's like, oh, thank God, officer, please, just, just help me get out of here. And he fucking nails her right in the face with the butt of his gun. And basically permanently fucked up, like, in her face, like, her eyes, like, all droopy. She's disfigured. Uh, she eventually gets imprisoned. She is sent to prison for several years. It's very depressing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, just seeing he-
0: how eight years by the way wow for, for punching a, a white guy yep who, who, hit who already hit place. her
2: <laughs>
1: yes so years pass and eventually she gets released from prison and she's ordered by the judge to become the maid of the white woman who you know initially started the whole thing and her husband i don't think he was the mayor at the time, but he is now. Her, her name's Miss Millie, by the way, the white woman is. So Miss Millie thinks that she's is super progressive, you know, and she's always good to, good to them. So she tells Sophia that, because Christmas is coming, and she says that she can go, she's going to take her back home the next day, tomorrow, which is Christmas. And Sophia is just like, can't believe it because she's been this woman's maid for a while. and She hasn't seen her family at all. So they also show like when they kind of introduce like Sophia coming back into the world, she's with Miss Millie who is trying to drive a car and is a fucking maniac because, you know, she's a woman. You said it. Uh, Sophia's whole thing is like trying to teach her how to drive. So the next day, Miss Millie takes Sophia to the, the house to see the kids and like the rest of her family. And, she gets out, and like this is the first time her kids have seen her since they were like real little, and it was a very like emotional scene, and like she goes in the house and she she starts crying, and like oh are you crying? She's like because I don't know any of you anymore, and I I
0: teared up a little bit at that scene. It, she's she's a very defeated woman, like she's yes before before she went to prison, she was like strong and out and like uh, outspoken, but now yes. she's like she's she's just beaten, you know she's she's disfigured, she actually has a limp i'm I'm guessing that they beat her in prison some more yeah. um or and she's I, and she's very soft spoken,
1: yes, she does not stand up the way she was she's she's kind of a lot like seely in a way now like but even worse mm-hmm. um yeah, she's a completely different character it's like and it's very just <laughs> it's so sad seeing this like strong, proud woman just completely beaten and drained and mm. like a shell of her former self for the most part. So she goes and sees sees her family has this very emotional scene. Well, while this is happening, Miss Millie is trying to leave, but she can't drive. So she's like fucking like going back and forth and like almost hitting stuff. So all the guys that are outside, including Lawrence Fishburne, like they're trying to help her and, you know, trying to get her to stop so they can help her. But then she's freaking out because she's like, oh, they're attacking me. They're attacking me. Because she's one of those shitty white people. She's proud, She's definitely a, uh, a Democrat. That's all I'm <laughs> saying. Like, she definitely is. Because she acts like she's a fucking pal. But she is ter- just as terrified and just as racist as everyone else. And uh, Sophia comes out. And she's like, you know, Miss Miss Miller, they're just trying to help you. And she's like, I, I just, I can't do this, Sophia. I can't drive home. You're going to have to take me. And so Sophia is just like, well, you know, he can take you. And she's like, I don't know him. And then she says, well, my sister can take you. I just really want to see my family. She's like, well, your sister's still a stranger. And that's when she turns into like, like, cause she, she's playing the victim. But then when she realizes Sophia is not just stopping and doing what she is told, she turns into, like, a cold bitch. You know mm. what I mean? She's just very forceful, like, you're going to do what I'm telling you to do. So then that's the end of Sophia seeing her family, and she has to take this woman back home, and it's it's a very depressing scene. A little while after that, Suge actually comes back to Celia and Mister's house, but, and, and they're both so excited because they are happy to see Suge coming back. And then... She pulls up and she's got this dude with him, her new husband, Grady. Uh, And so they're just kind of both, Mr. and Celia are just like, what the fuck? You know, (laughs) like, and and I even said to Michelle, I was like, why would she come back? Like, she knows how these people feel about her. Like, why, why would she even do that? And then this is, uh, I think it's like around, this must be Christmas. It's around the same time period. And then it shows like the two of them sitting there and Mr. And Grady are just like totally bonding over the fact that they both boned Shug. (laughs) Like, like really, they're just like, well, I I had her and you had her and we both had her. And they're like fucking having a great time at the dinner table in front of the kids talking about (laughs) fucking this chick. So while this is happening, Shug Takes Nettie, and she's like, come on, come with me, and takes her up to another room. I, I don't remember what exactly she, she takes her away for, but they actually... Oh, oh, because Suge gets the mail, and like they're just like, oh, you're not supposed to do that. But she's like, oh, he's too busy talking or whatever. And she was she was expecting a letter to be sent to the house for her. So she goes to the mail. She finds a letter from Nettie sent to Celie. So she goes and gets Celie, and she's like, hey, come with me. They go upstairs, and Nettie reads the letter and realizes, like in the letter, or uh, uh, Celie reads the letter, and in it she realizes that Nettie has been writing her ever since she left. And in the letter, you know, Nettie's just like, I don't know why I still keep writing. You know, you never respond, but I'm I going to keep writing you. You know, that's why I only write on the holidays now instead of all the time. And all this other shit. Uh, she finds out, like... I don't know if it's that letter or the previous ones, but, like, she finds out they, like, lived in Africa. And, were like, she has... Nettie actually has Celie's children. That's another thing that we should mention is that throughout the movie, Celie says, I have two kids. Mm-hmm. I just don't know them. I don't know where they are, but I have two kids. Like, she is very adamant that she has children she, and, you know, I think that she thinks that she'll be with them someday, but yeah, she, she doesn't like hide the fact. So then Suge and Celie decide to try to find, like, they, they think that maybe there's more letters. They start going through all the drawers, go through Mr.'s bedroom, like looking for everything. And then they find just a huge stack of of all these letters that were sent from Nettie to Celie. And then Suge helps her, like, tells her basically to go put them in her room, post, like, by the day that they were sent, and then basically gives them, I think she just organizes them for Celie to go through. And then it shows Celie, like, there's, like, a little montage of her going through and doing all these different things and reading these letters that were sent for Nettie that she, like, letters from years and years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it shows her like, you know, just walking through the street, reading, I'm sitting in church and like having one of the letters in her Bible, just sort of like reading that instead of doing whatever.
0: So I, I think it's, it's, it's really important also to note that, um, when Celie was really young, right after she first moved in with, with mister, uh, she was in town shopping and she saw this woman with a baby and she thought that it was her daughter Yes. Um. And that happened to be the Reverend's wife, They and they adopted this little baby. Yeah. So in the letters that she finds from Nettie, Nettie explains that she went to Africa on a missionary trip with both of her, well, both of Seeley's children with the church, um, yes. and that when they were in Africa, they were, uh. there was like a little, like, not a war, but like a... a a fight that that happened uh, with these white colonists and their paperwork was destroyed. So they were stuck in Africa. Um, you know, so I missed that. Would, they would have to immigrate back to the U.S. because they had no proof that they were actually U.S. citizens. Gotcha.
1: I missed how the children ended up with Nettie.
0: Yeah. It's because she went on, she, Nettie went through the church on the missionary trip with them. Like I think okay. she, I think she suspected that they were Seely's kids, so she yeah. did that, you know.
1: Yes. Okay. Um. Oh yeah. I guess. Man, we really got to start playing this out because I keep remembering all the shit that happens earlier in the movie that has a, has the <laughs> thing. Because it I comes just remember. Back, yeah. yeah th- there is another scene that's earlier after Sophia gets out of prison. There is a scene with her in town at the store with Miss Millie, having to go and like get all of these like, items from the store that she wants. And Celie actually happens to be there. And uh, she goes and helps Sophia, it, like, get all of her stuff together. has nothing to do with what is happening right now, but it is a scene that I wa- I wanted to get out there so everybody, you know, is clear on things. I also, I, I feel like I need to apologize to anybody who's listening because I've realized since I've gone back and started, like, actually editing the podcasts and re-listening to them, I am so fucking sporadic on everything. (laughs) Like, just so here and there. And I'm sorry that I have a hard time getting my thoughts all, you know, in a row. But I hope that people can listen to what I'm saying and sort of piece it together. So, back to Celie reading these letters. Uh, There's a moment she's reading one of them, and I think Mr. comes and slaps her. And he's like, oh, you didn't hear me? I'm telling you, it's time to come and shave me. Now, this scene, I actually do remember seeing when I was younger. But I have an entirely different memory of how it actually plays out. So I don't know, you know how old i was when i saw it or whatever but i just found it interesting how it did not play out the way that i thought it did so he's telling her to come and shave him there's a scene earlier in the movie when he makes her shave him and he's like if you cut me i will kill you you know like he's very cruel
0: i think it's it's right after he kicks Nettie out and he's like He tells her, now shave me, and if you cut me, I'll kill you.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So she goes to shave him, and this is after she has read years' worth of information from her sister, finding out her sister has her children. They're alive and well. They know about her. They care about
0: her. And they want to come home, but they can't because they're stuck in Africa.
1: (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So... She goes, shaves him up, you know, and it's a very ominous scene because they also show Suge somewhere else and someone tells her, like, they're like, oh, I, I think she asks where Steely is, and uh, or or where Mister is, and they're just like, oh, he's getting a shave from Steely. So then Suge just kind of like has this thought, has this like thought, like, I should go, <laughs> like, check out what's happening there because. You know, she's not stupid. She knows how these things are going to affect her. So, she, you know, she is booking it to the porch where she is shaving him. And it's very much like, is she going to cut his fucking throat? Because he's just shit-talking her the whole time. And it shows her, like, lift up the razor. And just before she brings it down, Sug is there and she grabs her hand. And Mr. like turns around and looks and he sees Shug like holding and he could see the look on Steely's face like and and I think he knows in that moment she was going to kill me like Mm -hmm. she was going to cut my throat. And he just kind of he's like, oh, damn women, you know, gets up and throws his thing down because he doesn't know how to fucking react, you know? Yeah. And and then Shug, you know, kind of basically saves her life because if she would have murdered him. Probably wouldn't end too well for her. So shortly after this, they have like a big dinner, which is is for a holiday. I think that's like the, I don't know what holiday it is now. That I think of it. maybe it's not a holiday. Maybe it's just a big dinner. And Harpo's there, Sophie is there, uh, Suge, her husband, Mister, the kids, Seely. Seely finally. I, I don't remember what it is that kind of kicks her off to start to fight back
0: do you i i don't know for sure i think i think mr was just shit talking like usual and she Mm. finally just yells at him and stands up and
1: yeah it's it's a it's an awesome scene it was a really good scene because you have you have sophia there and she's like just really defeated you know she's still her same meek self now uh that she has been since prison oh and uh Mister's dad is there, who they have established as, like, he's a piece of shit. Uh, And Steely even points that out in in the the big argument she has. Because she does, she just goes off on Mister and she just calls him, you know, says he's no good and he's this and that. And if he never would have had the dad that he had, maybe he would have ended up being a good person. Because that is kind of the thing. Like, you can see with Mister, like, he is clearly capable of love and Mm -hmm. taking care of people. That he cares about, like, because he just worships the ground that Suge walks on. And even after he finds out that she's with another man, like, he's just, he totally just comes to terms with it. and Like, he's cool with the dude and talks to him, invites him to his house for dinner. You know, he has positive qualities, but, you know, it's really hard to look past that He's a fucking wife beater. And, you know, treats Celie like shit. And really, in the grand scheme of the whole movie, Celie is the only person that he treats like that. Yeah. And so she's just, you know, she's not having any more of it. And as this is all happening and Celie is just, like, going off on on everybody, Sophia starts to just laugh because it's <laughs> reinvigorating her with her spirit, mm-hmm. <laughs> basically, is is the the independent black woman <laughs> the,
0: the the dad even like looks at her and says oh the dead is risen you know
1: <laughs> yeah exactly and and the dad really just kind of like he just takes it because he's just sitting there and he's just like all his <laughs> drama you know he says something just like oh we need some oh be, because eventually uh you know Celia's just like I'm leaving I'm going with Suge and I'm I'm getting out of here, and I don't want anything to do with you. And Harpo's like girlfriend is there too, isn't she? Right? Yeah. I just yes, she how is. Weird that is. Because Sophia is there too, but so is Harpo's girlfriend, the one who I, like.
0: I think ahead. it was just I think it was just kind of common for for men to have their their wife who looked after the house and the kids, and then also their girlfriend, and it's, there's it's nothing very, that anybody could do about it.
1: <laughs> maybe that's why like. You know, the Sopranos? Maybe that's why all the Italians hated blacks. Because they got away with a lot more than they did. They had to hide their mit- mistresses. <laughs> Was that racist?
0: Uh, maybe. Eh. <laughs> I didn't make the fucking movie, two, man. Two, di- two different time frames. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so
1: so she decides she's going to leave. And, and Mr. is just like, you're not going to do shit out there. What can you do? You don't know anything. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, he's just running her down, telling her she'll be back. And she's just like, you are going to fall to ruins. Like, you're going to live in a miserable, like, you're going to have a miserable existence. Everything you've done to other people, the things you made people feel, you're going to feel yourself. Yeah.
0: And she, Uh, she basically says, you're you're cursed until you, until you fix what you've done to me, you know? Yes. So (laughs) she needs you kind of skipped your whole point about Harpo's girlfriend. She stands up and says, "I'm going with." Oh me. yeah,
1: yes, yeah. <laughs> so she's all just like, now they're all independent black women. We're <laughs> leaving. We're out of here because these men are shit. And she and Celia even calls out a Harpo. She's just like, "You were an awful child. You were just <laughs> terrible. You guys made my life here worse than it had to be." Like she's calling everybody out that ever did her wrong, Sophia. You know, she kind of has this whole big speech and she tells Celie how she remembers that day that she was at the grocery store and she came and helped her. And, you know, and and then you have to remember they had that previous fault, like not falling out, but that argument where Sophia accused her of telling Harpo to beat her. Uh, You know, they they all kind of get the fucking Sophia gets her groove back, basically. Mm-hmm. Is what happens there. And then everybody sort of follows. So they leave and Celie goes with Shug. I think Shug is actually the one who tells Mr. Like we're taking Seely with us. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, what? So, oh yeah, I forgot that the, uh, oh, because they call Harpo's girlfriend Squeak. And she's like, my name's that Squeak. it's whatever she's like very just like my name is this and she just is very now all independent it was just kind of funny so they leave they all leave together uh then it shows years later and and really this movie it covers you know a couple decades Seeley actually works she owns her own tailor shop like she makes clothes for people and this and that and they show a scene of like Harpo even being there and them buying her clothes because I like, they established that Harpo and Sophia are like back together.
0: Mm. Uh, and it's I thought it was hilarious that Sophia put on pants because she's the one that wears the pants in the relationship. <laughs> yeah, she, she even tells Harpo, "You're not buying them." <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, they show Mister, who is exactly what. Seely said he was going to be he is just he lives in filth his house is just crumbling around him he's a miserable drunk no one's there at the house anymore just him by himself uh they show a scene of his dad actually coming and telling him to get his shit together (laughs) yeah basically just like oh what's going on and then he says you know what you need? You need to get yourself a woman. And that is when Mister's just like, okay, dad, you got to go. Like, he just gets up and, like, pushes him out of the house. And it's just, like, I thought that was interesting. Like, why, why was that the thing that pushed Mr., you know, into like, okay, you got to go? Was it because he realized, like, no, I don't? Like, this is my fault? Was it because he blamed women for the situation he was in?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh and I think it's probably more that first one, especially after we see kind of what happens in the rest of the movie. Um, they also show Mister at Harpo's bar, end of the night, like and Sophia's working the bar, Harpo's there, Mister's trashed, he's he's wanting to hang out, he wants to drink, and you know, Harpo's just like you gotta go. And so he sends him out like end of the night on his own and Sophia's just like, Is he gonna be okay? And Mr.'s just like, you're uh Harpo's just like, yeah, he'll be fine. And it was kind of like a shitty thing, just like, your dad might but, go and kill himself.
0: But it's another scene, too, where you can kind of see that he is having regrets about the way he's been. Because he, before yes. he walks out, he says, I'm so glad you two ended up together. Yes. Even yes. though he completely did not like it when it was happening. <laughs>
1: yes. Uh, he is very much... We are on Mister's Redemption Arc. Yeah. Is what's happening here, uh, which I I do feel like in the context of the movie, it's a little hard because he spends so much more time being a villain, so it's harder to accept his like kind of his face turn, if you want to put it that way, mm. <laughs> if you want
0: to put it in wrestling terms. <laughs> <laughs> uh so celie gets word that uh her pa has passed away
1: yeah so he he dies uh the dad dies and also i don't remember if it was in the letters or not but she when is it that she finds out that her dad is not the father
2: of her children
0: i think she found out from the funeral like from the wills and stuff okay Um, yeah and i think it's it's like her dad's like other new daughter or something also tells her so
1: basically seely finds out that her actual biological father died like right after she was born and her mother married this new guy who is the one who pregnanted her so she Mm -hmm. learns that the two children she has they're not like incest babies for Mm -hmm. the most part which you know you got to be happy about that And then it's actually like his, his new wife, I think is what, or no, you're right. It might've been a daughter. I don't remember, but like, she learns a lot from them and the father, well, the house technically it it was the mom's house died because it was his house. The mom died. And so it was, you know, the stepfather's house. But once he died, it went directly to Celia because she was the oldest daughter and was like Mm -hmm. actually the biological child of the people that owned it. So she gets the whole house, and I really liked, uh, I thought it was very cute how, you know, she's standing there, she's talking to the the daughter or the wife, I don't remember which it is, but she's like, yeah, they left you guys all the house, he gave me all the money though, so <laughs> she's like leaving, and Celie, Celie doesn't give a fuck, you know, she just wants the house, but it shows her like kind of standing there, she turns around after the other people leave, puts her glasses on, and then turns around to look at the house, like she wanted to make sure the first time she saw the house again, it was like crystal clear. And you can tell she's like so happy to have that house. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I thought that was a very cool scene. So Mr. Eventually receives a letter from Nettie, which is sent to Celie. And, you know, he reads the letter and then it shows him going into his private stash. And,
0: uh, taking it was, a. Bunch- uh... I thought it was a request from the uh, U.S. Immigration Services yes. for money. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, and see, I don't remember. Okay, so here's the thing. I might have just not noticed. So when this happened, so they show Mister Go, and, and I noticed that it was a letter from Immigration.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then they show Mister Going and get into his private stash. I guess I didn't realize it was a request for money, because when Michelle and I saw that, we were just like, "Oh, this fuck." Like, you see, like, because like, I was a little disappointed because I thought he was kind of on this, like, trying to make amends train. But then I thought he was trying to fuck up her coming. And so, you know, I don't know if the movie intended that. I think maybe I just didn't realize, like, what was happening. Mm-hmm. Neither did Michelle, apparently, because we both had that thought. But then it shows him going to the immigration office. I think we both thought, like, he was trying to fuck up them coming into the country or something. Mm-hmm. But... Then it shows, you know, Seely's at home. And then here comes Nettie and her two children, you know, Seely's uh, children and big reunion at their house that they grew up in. And then they show Mister, like, who is, like, on his tractor on his property. And he sees the whole thing. You know, he's just watching. Because it was him. He had actually went and he paid to have them come into the country. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's... Honestly, that's the end of the movie. That's, you know, it ends with the family being reunited, Mr. kind of having his little, like, redemption. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's it. And as we said, Nettie is played by the same actress who played her when she was, you know, 12. So overall, you know, it wasn't a bad movie at all. It was just, it was very odd. I find it interesting in the fact that I like watching people, like, artistic people grow. And it is neat to see... I feel like this was a movie that Steven Spielberg was really, he was learning through. Yeah. Which is unfair to the movie because I feel like the movie as a whole, the story really deserved to have a skilled, you know, it needed to have that person behind it who really, truly understood the film mm-hmm. and wanted. You know, that's the thing. It's like Steven Spielberg, you know, he he's a Jewish guy. Like, he very clearly has very strong opinions about World War II and Nazis and the Holocaust and stuff that affected his family and, like, other Jewish people. Right. That's why you have movies, you know, and I'm, I'm not, I, like I said, I haven't seen Schindler's List. But I'm sure it's fantastic. Uh, But then, you know, Saving Private Ryan, like these other movies that he's done, which show he clearly has, he's invested in these stories.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm not saying that he doesn't care about the story of like African Americans, like like black people in the u s and like the the things that they had to go through. Uh, I'm sure he he very much does care, but I don't think it was appropriate for him. i I think it would have been different. I would like to see a remake of this movie. I'll put it to you that way, like a a modern remake with appropriate people involved, because I think the story is very good. I I do find it strange. Oh, another thing about this movie is that it was nominated. It, It has a record. It has a tied record with another movie. I don't remember the other movie, but it was nominated for the most Academy Awards without actually winning and Steven Spielberg was not nominated for Best Director for this movie, which I kind of feel like was almost a slight. You know what I mean? Like we're gonna nominate everything about this movie except like the white guy that was involved. Mm-hmm. But that seems strange in the eighties. You know what I mean? I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Like, uh, it, and apparently, like a lot of it was. It was a very controversial. Like those Academy Awards were very controversial because of all the stuff that happening, especially, especially with the color purple involved. Right. Uh, I don't know. What do you think?
0: Um, I, it's it. I guess I'm I'm kind of with you. Uh, the one thing that I didn't really like so much is that it seemed like it was such a serious story to take in, and there yes. was so much. It seemed like there was so much unnecessary comedic parts of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, oh,
1: my God, dude. I just got to tell you real quick. I don't know if you noticed, but it was right after the scene when Celie stands up to Mr. She's getting on the car, like, to leave. She turns around. <laughs> she, she looks like she's using the force to stop Mr., like, in his tracks. Did you notice that? Yeah, we laughed so hard, and I know that was not intentional whatsoever. But like (laughs) the way her hand is, and she's sort of standing there just looking at him, I was just like, "Oh my god, she's a fucking Jedi! She's stopping him (laughs) with the power of her mind." It was kind of funny. I'm sorry, but like that was like an unintentional funny moment. But there were funny moments, like the 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 rocking chair just suddenly being empty. You know, that was such a Looney Tunes moment.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I I feel like if if they would have if they would have taken a lot of that comedy out, you know, they can you can leave in a little bit just for that comedic relief, but it was too much. I um, thought the
1: score was really bad. Like I thought it really did not have. It, it was too like fun and fancy free. I mm-hmm. guess to put it that way. Like there were scenes when, you know, it would just be like this like cute little scene. It's just like. This is a story about a woman who is just beaten by her husband and is like trapped in this life. Like I guess it's hard to have these moments of like lightheartedness when it's so dark. I, I don't know. Like do people want that? Why why would you go see this movie? It was not what I thought, because when I thought just from my idea of what the color purple was, mm. I I thought it was a very adult. A very mature movie, like very I thought of it on the same level of how I think about roots. Like I thought it was kind of like that you know, it was a very meaningful story about black people and their you know, trials and tribulations and the shit that they had to go through. And it sort of was, but it also, because of the context of them all just being black people, it, it, it's almost like the color of their skin didn't matter. Because the only time they interact with white people, Sophia's character is the only one who actually, like, kind of deals with racism. Yeah. Whereas the rest of it is just, there's no difference between Mr. being an abu- overbearing, abusive husband you know like them being white or black really wouldn't have made a difference
0: yeah i agree i think i think uh like i said earlier especially down south this was probably pretty common yeah. and it not just not just common in in black people it was i'm sure it was common in white people too Yeah. you know just farmers Absolutely. taking in the youngest women they possibly can because all they want is as many farm hands as possible Um, you see these, these guys from like the early 1900s who had like 25 kids, you know? Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. It's a very interesting movie. Uh, and like I said, I wouldn't mind seeing somebody else try to make, you know, you know, a new version of it.
0: Uh, uh, I'm going to let you know, I looked it up, Steven Spielberg, Oprah Winfrey and Quincy Jones are all producing a remake of this movie right now. Interesting. Uh, Who's in it? It doesn't say, uh, oh. but I I will tell you it's a musical.
1: Okay. Well, I guess that's a thing. Like there's like a Broadway musical based off the color purple.
0: Yeah. And, and actually there, there was a nice long sequence in this movie that kind of felt like a musical too. I can't remember exactly what scene it was, but I believe it's when, uh, Oh yeah. Celie was kind of, like, coming out of her shell?
1: Well, there's that one scene where – because Suge is – you know, she's a singer. And so there's quite a few scenes of her, like, singing and doing everything. So there's a scene when they're all at this big picnic, and, like, across the way is the church. And and at the church, like, they're singing, and the one girl's, like, you know, just giving it all, all she's got. Suge hears it. And and it is, like, a very – and it did kind of take me out because it was like a musical moment mm. of everybody just singing the song with Suge leading the way. You know, it was like a musical number. And she's walking down there to get to this church. And, uh, it, you know, that was kind of something that sort of like it, it, it was, was out of place.
0: But it was it was Suge's special scene because. Yeah. When when Suge and Seeley first meet, uh, she tells her that her father's the reverend and he's disowned her for being a sinner. Dude. I'm so
1: happy you said that because Michelle and I missed that. And I'm telling, like, we were paying attention to the movie. We were watching it. But we missed her saying that. mm -hmm. And so every time it showed her with this old guy, the old reverend, we were trying. I thought that he was, like, a reverend that she had corrupted. and and then, (laughs) But it wasn't up until that scene of her going into the, the church that I think we both realized, like, oh, it's her dad. Like it's yeah. got to be her dad because of like how everything is playing. So right. I totally missed that that whole dialogue piece that she had said, you know, her, which, her dad was a reverend.
0: Which, and I'm I'm assuming it's the same one. It it kind of comes full circle because it was the reverend who adopted Seely's kids, who went off to be missionaries with Nettie.
1: Now, see, I didn't know if that was that was the same thing.
0: I assumed it's a small town and it's the black reverend and the black reverend's wife who had adopted her kids.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's one of those, because you never see the wife and the reverend together. Yeah. So I don't know.
0: I kind of just assumed.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it it could be. To me, that's a little too uh, convenient, coincidental.
0: But they live out in... they yeah. live in the middle of nowhere, Georgia. I mean, yeah. how many how many churches could there? Well, I guess I guess a there could still be a lot. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, you know, I don't know. It could have been. I, I'm but sure the, that might be. This
0: this church is so close to S- Seely's home that they can hear them singing inside the church from yeah. the bar. So, <laughs> yeah, I I
1: just noticed. Uh, I made a note. Um, the very last note that I made the reunion of Celie with her sister and children was ruined by Brian informing me of Kanye being awful.
2: <laughs>
1: it really was. I, I remember trying to process like all of the shitty things as the climax of the movie is happening. And I'm just like, God damn it. So yeah, it's it's a movie. I, I don't think I'd ever go back and watch it. I'm happy I watched it. Uh, it, it it's also one of those things where... I've heard a lot of people criticize Steven Spielberg the past few years. Uh, I think he's an easy target for some people, you know, uh, like I have heard like Elizabeth Banks, like attacking him for not having more female characters in his movies. Uh, And it's kind of like, maybe not, maybe maybe he hasn't, but like, those aren't the stories that he's telling. I don't see what's wrong with that, but then it's kind of like he made the color purple, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like clearly he's not biased. Like he, he might stick to more stories that he's familiar with and stronger with. And and it's one of those things. It's like, you know, if you're a creator, if you're an artist, if you're a director or you're, you're whatever you are, you stick to the things that, you know, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and maybe he, you know, he, he took this movie as a challenge uh, and it helped him grow as a director, but I think he also realized this was not his strength. Right. And he needed to stick to what he knew, which is why his other big movies, like we said, empire of the sun and, uh, Schindler's list and saving private Ryan, they were about subjects that he was familiar with Mm -hmm. and really invested in. And I don't see, I don't think that's a problem. I don't think that's, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And those kind of stories, there's not a lot of women involved. Uh, you know, like Saving Private Ryan. Where was he going to put a big female lead? Or Schindler's List? Or Empire of the Sun? I don't yeah. know. Just, just kind of some I mean, thoughts I had.
0: I feel like I... Sch- I Schindler, Schindler's List does have some very important female... Does lives. it?
1: Okay. Yeah. yeah, and as I said, I haven't seen it. So I I don't know. Maybe it does. I'm a huge fan of his... And it bothers me to see people attack him, <laughs> especially when I feel like he actually is a very progressive individual and really cares about people like, like yeah. you know, just he's not a piece of shit like a lot of other people. Yeah. Uh,
0: it just boils like like you said, it just boils down to this wasn't his this wasn't his forte. Exactly. I guess yeah. he did a decent enough job with yeah. not not being related to the subject.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of respectable in that he, I mean, it's hard because as we said, Quincy Jones is a very like important figure, and to tell him no, you know, it's kind of just like, oh, can you really do that? The movie's also pro- uh, was produced by Kathleen Kennedy, who mm-hmm. right now she's the head of Lucasfilm, like she's in charge of all the Star Wars, so she's trash, obviously,
0: but okay. she she. Huh? Kathleen Kennedy and Frank Marshall, they've both yeah. kind of produced everything by Spielberg.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, and that's, like, we we say trash, but, like, she's also been involved in a lot of really good movies, so I'm sure that she is, you know, a talented individual. Mm-hmm. But uh, she also has received, and I, I feel like justly received a lot of criticism for her current role as yeah. the head of Lucasfilm. Yeah. Uh, she's probably just one of those people who, like, is creative but once they have like all the power it's like they need that person to stop them Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like they need that person to edit down their ideas as most people do yeah uh so yeah you know i i think i've said all i could say about this movie i'm glad we watched it i can see why it was very important i think they should do another one yeah that's about it
0: yeah (laughs) i i think (laughs) I, i think i'm right on right on par with you yeah. Oh, I'm glad we could agree on something for once.
1: All right. Well, uh, have we decided what we're going to do next week?
0: I have not taken any looks. All right. I guess I, it'll be a surprise. I think it's your turn to pick.
1: <laughs> All right. That's fine. I'll figure something out. We're going to watch uh, Twilight. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually I, I thought like we should do a... Uh, like make it a recurring thing for every episode where at the end we announce that we're going to watch something just terrible for the next week.
0: We're going to watch we're going to watch the the 2020 remake of The Grudge.
1: Say <laughs> <laughs> what I couldn't even tell you if that's bad. I assume it is. You just uh, assume everything's bad.
0: It has like a 24% on Rotten.
1: Ooh. But
0: it does have William Sadler in it.
1: Oh fuck. We had a good episode. I'm glad we you know I was honestly looking forward to this one. I was looking forward to talking about it. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. And we will be back sometime
2: next week. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night.
0: All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye.